and I'm not, I'm, I'm really not playing with you, but I, I, you know, sometimes we get into um, patterns and habits and routines, and if anybody messes with that stuff, even God, we kind of get out of sorts. It's like, what? <laughs> I wanted to greet Gabe today. I didn't get a chance to greet Gabe. Take it easy. Unless we hit the rapture before the end of the service, <laughs> you'll have time afterwards to greet each other. But, you know, we're, we're in this time that is so amazing. Now, any day with Jesus can be amazing if we, we recognize that we have that day to be able to spend with him and, and be guided by him and encouraged by him and uh, uh, given wisdom by his spirit. But we're in a time where, and I've been sharing and you've been hearing, I hope you've been looking online because that's one of going to be about the only place you're going to find it, online about what's going on in our country and in our world, the revivals that are happening. Uh, we were just, just found out that on the campus of Purdue University that revival is breaking out. It's happening on university campuses, on college campuses. It's happening in churches. It's happening in cities in America. Across America, there are people that are being guided by God to go out and love people, love God. And some are just going out to worship God on the streets. And other people are coming to Christ and being healed. This is happening not only in America, it's happening in other countries. We're living in an amazing time. But it's the time that God tells us these days that we're in are part of the last days. And he is going to show up and show out in great ways. But he's got to have people that, that are willing to let him do it. I want you to know the enemy is not shy about showing up and showing out in the way he wants to. I was just informed. This is news to me. It may not be news to you. But uh, in Disney, Disney Plus is going to be showing a, a series, uh, an animated series called Little Demon. Now, if you haven't heard about this, this is just another one of the things that's going on every day in our society. This, this, this animated show is about Lucifer impregnating a human woman and a spawn of Lucifer is born, and it's all about this, this little girl. Now, I'm telling you, the targeted group, even though they say it's an adult animation, you know kids are drawn towards animation. And this is happening in all sorts of ways and in all sorts of uh, subjects and things that, that we need to be aware of, not need to be afraid of. Okay, there's no need to fear. You and I are in this world, correct? Are we of this world? Where's our home? Heaven is our home. All right? And, and the Bible says, greater is he that's in you that he, than he that's in the world. And if you and I will read our Bibles, we'll recognize that all of this is told to us in the Scriptures. Not to make us afraid, but to prepare us. And, and we are. We're being prepared. Uh, we've been sharing, I've been sharing with you about things that, that the Bible tells us and how, how uh, there, God has for transformation and, and, and has this, this process to go on where he is raising up the church. Jesus is coming back. And it could be any day. And, and the Bible tells us he's coming back for the church. In what condition? Without spot, without wrinkle, a glorious, victorious church. And right now, what is happening, God is getting out the spots and the wrinkles. There are some things that need to be removed from our life. Things that need to be replaced in our life with what God has. And, and just as we've been learning about in the book of Ezekiel, this, this series that we've been on from the beginning of the year, uh, where in Ezekiel 37, the nation of Israel was hopeless. Not unlike a lot of people in our society today. There, there is a hopelessness that has increased in our society. And, and God found one person in the nation of Israel, Ezekiel, that feared him, that honored him, that reverenced him, that, that trusted him and obeyed him. And when God spoke to him to speak 
to the bones that represented the nation of Israel that were scattered all over a, a valley. They were dry, dry, dry. And speak the word of the Lord, the bones began to come together. Just like those bones were scattered all over, they began to come together. And, and they formed fully formed bodies, but there wasn't life in them. And God spoke to e Ezekiel and said, speak, proclaim to the breath to come and breathe on these bones that they would live. And Ezekiel did what God said because he feared the Lord. Wasn't afraid, but was truly in awe and, and reverenced and respected and honored and trusted God. And, and the Spirit came and breathed on the, these bodies and they lived. And the Bible says they rose up an exceedingly great army. And it's the Spirit of God. When people are, are allowing God to use them. They trust God so completely, just like Ezekiel did, that when, when God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he said, only you know, Lord. He trusted God. He didn't even trust himself because he would have naturally said, of course not. There's no way those bones are going to come alive again. But you know, Lord, you know the answer to everything because with you all things are possible. And in that moment... He was obedient, and, and it, the, the bones rose up to an exceedingly great army. It's very much applicable to us as the church. God is raising up a church in this hour, an exceedingly great army for the end-time harvest. And it's going to take all of us. And whether you're involved or not is your choice. Whether I'm involved or not, it's my choice. And we went over to Joel and looked at Joel, where the prophecy in Joel spoke about how God was going to pour out all his spirit on all flesh. And then we went to the book of Acts, and we have been in the book of Acts looking at where this actually occurred. In Acts chapter 2, they, the disciples were in one place, in one accord, and the spirit of God was poured out on them. And the result was that 3,000 people in one day were saved. 3,000 people in one day. Now, I want you to know there are thousands of people being saved every day. We support a ministry, SOS uh, Adventures, and they are in Africa. And one of the men that I know, Fernando, uh, he was telling me they are gearing up for another series of campaigns throughout Africa that over a million people, they're believing for over a million people to give their lives to the Lord. And that's just one ministry. We've got Mark and Lori going and their teams. And, and we've got, there are people all over the world that are being sent out or right in their own neighborhoods that are doing what God has for them to do so that people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. The kingdom of God would be built in unprecedented numbers. This is the hour we're living in. But God needs people that will be willing to be what he has for them to be and do what he has for them to do. And in the book of Acts, we saw that the, the disciples were in one place in one accord. They were where they were because they feared God. Jesus had given them a command to go and stay in the upper room in Jerusalem and wait until God poured out his power from on high where the Holy Spirit would come upon them and empower them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And the Spirit of God was poured out on them and these people were saved. And then it occurred again. There was, there was a fear that came upon them because of situations that went on, this honor, this reverence, this awe of God. And there was a unity. They were in one accord and more people got saved. This is a pattern that we see set up in the beginning of Acts and continues through other places. And we looked at this uh, last week where in Acts chapter 5, in Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 19, there was that similar pattern. There was the fear of the Lord, the reverence and honor for God, which caused them to trust God and obey God. There became a unity of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And then revival hit and souls were saved. You see, our God is a God of unity. He unites. We know the enemy is one who divides. God hates division. 
I, I am not embellishing. God hates division. In Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible tells us there are six things that God hates, and a, the seventh is an abomination. And I'm not going to go into the sixth, but I'm going to tell you what the seventh is. This is what is an abomination to God. So it, in the writing of this, it's an indication that this seventh one is even more hated by God. It's those who sow discord among the brethren. Division among brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know what? Any one of us can do it at any time. And the Bible also indicates that those that sow discord, sow strife, sow division among the brethren will be broken without remedy. Well, why is that? That's because when we bring division, a breaking of unity among the body of Christ, the Bible says we can't sow except we're going to reap. And when we bring that division, then all of a sudden we break what God has joined. We receive breaking in our lives, not from God, from the sin that we just committed. That sin breaks down things in our lives. God doesn't have to punish anybody. Sin punishes. And so in that situation, we, we've got to be aware that God is a God of unity. The enemy is the God of division. Whenever we bring division, we're siding, we're teaming up with the enemy. Because what does, does division do? When a city is divided or a kingdom is divided or a nation is divided, the Bible says that division causes it to fall or to be brought to nothing. To be brought to nothing. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were having a great time with God and then all of a sudden the enemy came in and he started to question Ask questions to Adam and Eve to bring a division between Adam and Eve and God. They, they, they no longer feared God. They no longer reverenced God. They no longer respected God. They were questioning whether God was going to do good for them. And when the enemy does that to us, he's after the same thing. To get us to the place where we don't trust God. We don't reverence God. We don't respect God. We don't walk in awe of God. And we don't trust God. And then we don't obey God. Because when they didn't trust God, when they didn't reverence God, there was division that came between them and God. And then Adam and Eve, and it's continued on to this day because it resulted in not revival, the giving of life. It resulted in death. The enemy works the same principles, but in the opposite way, where there is no fear, division, death. God has fear, unity, life. And you and I make this decision every day. Everything we do, we're either going to honor God, respect God, be in awe of God. I, I shared with you that the definition I wanted to give us was uh, preeminent adoration. Preeminent meaning first in order or priority, first in value, and first in influence, the first thing, the greatest, greatest priority in our life, the greatest value in our life, the greatest influence in our life, that's what preeminence is. And then adoration, adoration is the fervent, the fervent love and worship of God. Fervent, devoted love and worship of God. And and. If we don't, we can have adoration of all sorts of things. And we looked at that last week and how, how we do. We fall prey to this. There are things that have greater preeminence, that are more preeminent in our life than God, that we adore more than God. And all of those things, the enemy is trying to get weaseled into our lives to rob what God has for us. And we just play along kind of like Adam and Eve did. But God is a God of unity. We see it presented in him as who he is. God is three in one. 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the book of Deuteronomy, and they still use it today, they call it the Shema. Jewish people, Hebrew people talk about, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The Lord thy God is one. Because God knows unity is powerful. Unity is incredibly powerful, and we're going to see that today. Today we're going to look at the plan of God for unity, the power of unity, the provision or the, the uh, provision of unity, the promise of unity, the provision of unity, and the prayer for unity. But before we do, let's pray. If you bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Lord, we know that you're always wherever we go. But Father, as much as we, we know you're there, many times we don't, don't turn to you and don't trust in you. And today, Father, we're, we're attentive to you. Father, help us to have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us the church. Show us in the midst of all that's being said here today what you have for each of us individually and how we corporately can abide by your word, can follow your word. Because, Father, we need you. We need your word. We need your will done in our life because it's life-giving. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. So in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 39, we have it in two different translations, the Amplified, and we have it in the ERV. But uh, this is God's plan. This is God speaking. He says, I will give them, and talking about his people, one heart and one way. One heart and one way. Now today we are, we are just saturated with people that tell us every day, well, you know, uh, there's, there are multiple ways to God. You can choose your own way to God. I want you to know. That's what people believe. That's what people say. But that's not what the Bible says. And the Bible is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This isn't Burger King. We don't have it our way. This is Jesus King. We're going to do it his way. Because his way gives life. Any other way won't. We'll be robbed of that life. I'll give them one heart and one way that they may reverently fear me forever. Why? Because he's an egomaniac? No, for the good of themselves and their children after them. When we walk in the fear of the Lord, when we walk in the preeminent adoration and awe of God, it benefits us. When we lose that reverence for God, when we lose that respect for God, all of a sudden we set ourselves up to be robbed by the enemy because that's what he's out to do. He's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way he does it is he tempts us. He offers us something causing us to question whether God is really doing the best thing for us. And if we bite, we're in trouble because then he's hooked us. Jesus told his followers, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Is that right? And the enemy is fishing for people too. And when he gets a hook in our jaw, he's going to pull us all sorts of ways we don't want to go. But it's because we bit on what he was offering to us that was just there to entangle us and entrap us. In the ERV, it says, I will give them the desire to be one, united people. They will have one goal, to worship me all their lives. And their children will want to do this. They and their children will want to do this, to worship him all of our lives. Now, it's hard. It's hard for us to understand that. Because there are so many things that we desire down here. And we're, we're getting pulled this way and that way and the other way. But when it talks about us worshiping him for all our lives, what's ahead of us, church? For every believer in Christ, what's ahead of us? That's right, heaven. Do you know what's going to go on in heaven? We're going to be worshiping him all the days of our lives. 
This is preparation for heaven. Now, it doesn't mean we quit our jobs and, and we just go to the mountains and we just... We need to worship him in everything we do. We need to honor him in everything we do. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Our work, our service to whoever is paying us, we're supposed to do that as unto the Lord. I will tell you, you, you will get a lot of notice, some positive, some negative, if you do your job as unto the Lord. The ones that you're working for that are paying you, they're going to take notice and they're going to appreciate that. The ones that are working alongside you that aren't doing that, they're going to take notice and they're going to give you a hard time about it. But it doesn't matter what anybody thinks but the Lord. Because if you do what honors Him, He will always, always reward you for it. Always reward you for it. So this is God's plan. Now, it's not just in the Old Testament. He tells us this. In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, we see the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, but he's also writing to us. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul is appealing to us today, here in Rome, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know when he pulls that out, he's not messing around? He's not just saying, hey, you know, this is something I had. I just came to me. I want you to think about it. He's got their attention. By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other, let there be no divisions where? In the church. Does that mean when we get into this building, we got to be nice to each other? And once you hit the door, it's on. No, in the church. This building is not the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We who have received Christ are the church. We're the dwelling place of God. And so it says, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you that there be no division. Now, I want you to understand very clearly that when he says no division, that means your excuse, my excuse, my rationalization, my justification, your rationalization, your justification doesn't count. Does not count. Because he's already said that he is appealing on behalf of God and by the authority of God that there be no division. None. Well, I got hurt. We all get hurt. There's not a person on the face of the earth that hasn't been hurt. That's what happens with people that won't do what God says. Even Christians. And the enemy's working overtime in the body of Christ to cause injury, to cause offense, because the bottom line is it brings division. It destroys unity. And so he says, no divisions in the church. Harmony. Be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And when I read that, I'm like, that's impossible. And as the moment I think that, the Spirit of God checks me and says, yeah, but with God, all things are possible. It is possible. Not for me, not for you, not for us. But if we'll let God have his way, it is. God does the impossible all the time. But we've got to be willing. We've got to believe him. We've got to honor him. We've got to expect that he can do that in us with all our flaws, all our failures, that God's not given up. I don't know about you, but thank you, Lord. I've had so many failures, and I have flaws. And yet God is so good that when I don't rely on me, but when I trust in him and, and don't react, 
And don't just try, but I really just say, all right, Lord, I know, I know I'm susceptible to doing this, and I don't want to do it, so I need to turn to you first. And, and he will. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the power. He'll give you what you need to be able to be what he has for you to be and do what he has for you to do. He's just looking for us to, to recognize, man, there's nobody like God. We sang it, there's nothing better than God. And it's easy to sing, but it's a different thing to live. Man, I like pizza. <laughs> Don't get me a pizza. <laughs> I like pizza. But you know what? I have to be willing to give up pizza to spend time with God. Does he require that all the time? No, but I want to. I love God. And I want to show him I love him more than pizza. And I love him more than anything. My wife knows that I love her every day. I try to do multiple things a day to show her that I love her. Multiple times a day, I tell her that I love her. We even kitchen dance. Because that's the only thing I could do. It's the clutch and shuffle. <laughs> See, I didn't want to embarrass you and get you up here and show them how we do it. But, <laughs> but as much as I love Debbie and as much as I know that she is outside of salvation, she's the greatest gift that God's entrusted me with. She knows she's number two. She knows the moment that she's not number that she's number one and God's something else, we're all in trouble. As long as God's number one, as long as He has the preeminence and He is loved and worshiped more than anything else or anyone else then he's able to do what only he can do in our lives. He brings unity. When I'm united with God, and I, I teach this in every, new, every um, premarital counseling class, that, that when you're getting married, two people, Christians, at first recognize something that attracts them to the other person, draws them to them. It could be their faith. It could be, you know, their, their sense of humor. It could be a variety of things, but there's this drawing together. But there's got to be more than what just draws you together naturally. And a marriage is three people. It's the husband, the wife, and God. And as the husband and wife continue to love God and grow in God and go towards God, they get closer and closer and closer. That's God's design. Because whatever drew you together, things change as time goes on. When Debbie met me, every time I went to the barber, which I haven't been to in decades... <laughs> Seriously, I'm telling you the truth. Every time I went to the barber, they would thin my hair out because it was so thick. I need to go back and talk to those gentlemen. <laughs> and if Debbie was attracted to me because of my hair, hair today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> but she's been able to overlook... the fallout because she's recognized that there's more to me than just the thing that attracted and I recognize as we get closer to God we grow more in love with God more devoted to God more desiring God's will in our lives man I just see my wife is a greater gift than I ever realized because I'm seeing what God has done and is doing in her. And I value her more, but I can't ever value her more than the one 
that does this in her and does this in me. And it doesn't just happen in a marriage. It happens in a church. When we look at each other, there are going to be some people you're just naturally attracted to, and there are going to be others you're just naturally repelled by. But the Bible tells us that the ones that we seem to be more put off by don't want to spend as much. Those are greater blessings than we realize. We need them more than the ones that we're just naturally attracted to. But unity, unity, unity has this promise, this power. In Genesis chapter 11, we see this portion of Scripture that tells us, you know, people were dead in their trespasses and sins. This division had come because of sin, because they didn't trust God, they didn't honor God, and so they, they disobeyed God, and, and sin came, and division came, and, and it was just terrible. First family, there's murder between brothers. Talk about division. But here we come to a place that is commonly known, it's, it's, it's about the Tower of Babel where unsaved people had determined they were going to do something. And, and we pick it up in verse 4, and it says, And they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heaven, in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. This is not unlike what, what is happening throughout the earth with people that don't know God and some people that do know God. They come together and they say, Let's build for us. I want to do something for us. I want to do something for me. Man, that, that spirit is pervasive in our society. And then they say, we're going we're gonna to build this city and this tower that its top is in the heavens. Everybody's going to take notice of it. But do you remember who said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the Most High? That was Lucifer. It's the same, same spirit behind it. And then they said, to make a name for ourselves. And this, this we see so flagrantly. Because everybody wants followers. I want to have a name. I want to be famous. I want to have a thousand, a hundred thousand followers. I want a million followers. I want all these likes. This stuff is going on. And then it says in verse 6, God responds and he says, look, the people are united. These are unsaved people. But they're united over something, and the result is this. This is the promise. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Unity makes the impossible possible. It has a huge impact. If you don't believe it, just look around. We're seeing all sorts of groups and and people joining around very ungodly ideas that are having such an impact and influence on our society. And they're not saved, but they've got a unity and a determination to not break rank that is truly impacting majorities of people. Unity has power. And these are unsaved people. Think of what the power is that will be released and realized when the people of God unite. The world has not seen, but will see when the body of Christ comes together and lays down the petty things that we've allowed ourselves to be ignorantly divided by. John Wesley said, on essentials, unity. On non-essentials, liberty. On everything else, charity or love. We've got to be united over what's essential. I'm telling you, this is the essential. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That we need to love the Lord God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and all our strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. Essential. Baptism essential? No. So don't, get, don't let it divide you. Tongues essential? No. Don't let it divide you. 
All these other things, don't let it divide you. Unite in what's essential. In the non-essentials, liberty. Okay, you know, I'm not going to answer for you and you're not going to answer for me. And in everything else, love. Love. So this power, this power is, is what the enemy is terrified of in saved people becoming united. And so he's working overtime to bring offense and division, hurts, and we're playing into it. But there's a promise, there's a provision. As much as there's a power, God has said something that we can, we can bank on in Psalm 133. It's only a, a psalm of three verses, and we're going to look at half of them. We're going to look at verse 1 and half of verse 3. And in verse 1, it says this, how, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I want, I want to make this point right here. You and I cannot be united with people that are not saved. There is no ability to be united the way God intends us to be united. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, can we be an interactive? Absolutely, we need to be. We need to be interacting with people that don't know the Lord so that they can come to know the Lord. But we don't look for our uniting with them. If we're going to unite with God, then we unite with the people of God. And so he, he says how good and how pleasant it is that brethren dwell. That word dwell is the word abide. We study a lot about abiding together in unity. It's not a hit and miss. It's not a today we're okay and tomorrow who knows. It's every day we are united. We're con concerned we're going to contribute to the unity. We're not going to let division come. And then in verse 3 it says, for there, where? Where brethren dwell together in unity. Where we choose to make unity more important than any trivial thing other than Christ where they are in unity they dwell together in unity there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore that's abundant life that's eternal life that's abundant eternal life he's commanded the blessing there that means every time we choose to dwell together in unity God's blessing is overflowing. Now, why don't we see it right away? I don't have an answer for that. I, I don't know everything. But I'm telling you, I can't doubt what God's Word says. Because if I doubt, the Bible tells me that I'm a double-minded man and I won't receive anything from God. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so this tells me, this is where the blessing comes. This is what God has said he will do. Now, how does this happen? Well, in Ephesians 4, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus, writing to the church at Ephesus, and uh, <clears throat> he begins to unfold it and, and teach us how this happens. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I am exhorting you, he, with very passionate terms in the original language, is saying, with all my might, I'm exhorting you. I am, I am telling you this is important. To walk worthy of the calling with which who? Say me. Me, 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 me. I, 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 I. I don't know, I don't know what is correct grammatically, but... That, that I walk worthy of the calling with which I was called. You walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. See, we have this idea that only certain people are called. And there is a truth to certain callings. But all of us, every child of God, every one of us that has asked Christ to be Lord of our life, we are called to walk this way. Oh, my gosh. Flashback thinking of this song, walk this way, talk this way. 
That was, that was the B.C. before Christ days. Okay. But we're supposed, to, we're supposed to, to, to walk in these things. This is our calling. This is you. you want to know why you're here? You want to know what you're here to do? Start with this. Walk with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. What is that? That's just the fruit of the Spirit. So what happens when we let the Spirit of God have his way in our lives. Instead of us doing what we naturally do or what we habitually do, we pause and we say, all right, God, I, I, I don't want my will. I want your will, just like Jesus in the garden. Not my will be done. Your will be done. Jesus struggled in that moment. Don't think you and I aren't going to struggle. And so we walk in humility. We walk in gentleness. We walk in patience. We walk bearing with one another in love. And then it says, this is the result. What we have to do when we're doing this, this is what we're doing it for. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That first word, endeavoring, when you, you study it out, it means to work with speed and intention. You have to be speedy and intentionally doing this. But what am I speedy, speedily and intentionally doing? I'm looking to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word keep is an indication that it's already present and active. It actually means to guard it so it doesn't escape. When you and I come to faith in Christ, we are joined in the body. There is a unity of the Spirit that occurs right then that God wants to continue until eternity and beyond. According to Buzz Lightyear. I know it's infinity. Just seeing if anybody's listening. But, but to keep, keep it, guard it. Why? Because it is so fleeting. The enemy's working on all of us to try and get divisions in there. The unity of the Spirit. This starts out as a spiritual unity. It's our unity with God. Then, only then, can we have unity with our brothers and sisters. And it's not about what we like, what we don't like. It's about Him. You know, right now, right now, we have so many people that are, that are walking into church buildings judging what's going on. And, and I understand because we're, we're promoted to do that. We're, we're encouraged to do that wherever we go. Go tell your doctor you need this drug. That's what the commercials tell us to do. You have what you want. But the kingdom of God isn't that way. It's all about him. God places members in the body as it pleases him, not us. Sometimes we need to go to places that we're real uncomfortable with because, not because they're, they're teaching things that are, are unbiblical, unscriptural, but because we need to be adjusted. We need to be realigned. And, and that's where it's so important. You know, it, I heard, I read this the other day about a pastor who somebody came up to. And you know, praise and worship isn't for you. It's not about whether you like it or you don't. Praise and worship is all of us together giving God what he deserves all the time. And this one, one person came up to the pastor after the service, and I, you know, I just was like, go, guy. Uh, she said, I didn't particularly care for the praise and worship today. And he said, that's okay, it wasn't for you. Some of you are like, you better not ever say that to me. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you tell me that, I might be tempted to say that. Because it's true. We got this idea that, that this is Burger King. Have it your way. Folks, you're in the wrong place. This is Jesus King. And we're all doing it for his way. And yet it doesn't just happen here. It's supposed to happen everywhere we go because he's king wherever we go. 
So this is what God has in the bond of peace. That word peace is the word irene. It means to set it one again. There is this bond, this ligament. That's what it is. It's a joint connection, a ligament. Like what happened with the bones. First thing that happened, they came together in ligaments, joined them together. And then muscle came and then flesh came. And then life came. But this is, this is the beginning of it, this, this connection. And so it's to set it one again, but it also means a state of untroubled, undisturbed well-being. Wow, how could that possibly be? Because when you're, you're in unity, when brethren dwell together in unity, their God has commanded the blessing. That is the blessing. And I don't know about you, but I am, I am, I want places where there's undisturbed well-being. Because there are so many places that are not. And yet, this isn't a place we have to get to. It can be something that can be with us everywhere we go. That's how good God is. And then in verse 6, it, it says this. One God and Father of, of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is, is present in all. Everything you and I think and do is permeated with. Oh, come on. I'm working here. Oneness is permeated with oneness. But look at this. One God and Father. Is that right? Of all. That doesn't leave any of us out, any of us believers. Who rules over all. Who works through all. He rules over and works through. That means there should be a harmony and a cohesiveness as we are doing life. Have you ever seen a big school of little fish? It's not an oxymoron. A big school of little fish where they're just going like this. Do you know how they do it? Because they have these things called lateral lines in them that they sense what the other one next to them is doing. You don't have a lateral line. You have a Holy Spirit. And you can be tracking with Christ the way we all need to track together. And there's this unity and this flow. Like the world has never seen. That everything we are, we think, and we do is permeated with oneness. How does this happen? In verse 11 through 13, he gives us an indication of how, how he has designed and planned for this to happen. This is the provision for unity. For us in the New Testament, the Bible says God himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure, the, the measure of the full stature of Measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he gave these, these ministry gifts. Now, does that mean they're better than anybody else? No, it's not better. They have a different function. Because of that function, we need to be aware that they're a gift given by God. You know, we have teachers. We have all sorts of people in our lives that help us navigate life because they've done it. Now, these people help us navigate life because God's given them as a gift to impart some things. And it says for the equipping, all right, the equipping of the saints. And that word equipping has a connotation of a bone out of joint. Anybody here ever dislocate a joint? Okay. So David, David, David raised his hands. I'm not picking on him just for nothing. Was it enjoyable? Was it painful? Was it really painful? And when they went to put it back into joint, was that enjoyable? After it was done. If you've ever had a bone out of joint, it is excruciating. Because no longer can that joint work the way it's supposed to. It's usually frozen at that point. And then they have to put it back into place, and that hurts as much or more than it just being out of joint. 
But once it's in place, it's like, okay, I'm all right. It, it, It is not always comfortable when we're being equipped, when we're being realigned. And too many people in the body of Christ have made comfort their God. You talk about preeminence, comfort is their preeminence. Ease is their preeminence. And, and they, we can choose anything we want. But if we don't choose what God has, we can't be what God has for us to be and we can't do what God has for us to do. We exclude ourselves. God is open to using anybody and everyone. And right now, God is preparing the church for the greatest harvest of souls in the entire history of the world. And God wants you and God needs you, but God can do it without any one of us. But he doesn't want to. And that's where we need to be equipped for the work of the ministry, the work of service. We are all being equipped to serve. There is a new low in the church of people serving nationwide. It came after COVID. A lot of people just want to be fed. They want to get what they need and they don't want to have to give. And that is not the way God created the church. Every joint supplies. Every one of us are supposed to be involved and supposed to be giving out because it's more blessed to give than receive. It's blessed. We're blessed when we receive, but we're even more blessed when we give. And the enemy wants to rob you of that second blessing. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edifying means to build up. It, it, it means to build together. It implies a dwelling place, a habitation, a house, a home, connectedness in a relationship like a family. Now, we can't look at our families in these days because most families are fractured. But God intended families to be the place of security, the place of support, the place of love and of, of serenity. Now, does that mean that they should never argue? No, we are people. We're people with flesh, so we have issues. But we work them out because we, we treasure the relationship more than our desire or our perspective or anything else or our being right. And then it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man or a mature man, God is maturing the church. And when you watch kids try and grow up, maturing is difficult. It's uncomfortable. But there's nothing better than learning how to be mature. So this is what what God has for us. And, And Jesus showed us how important it is. In John chapter 17, verse 21 and 23, this is Jesus praying. He says, I pray that they, speaking of the people that he was with but also you and me they will all be one just as you and i are one as you are in me father and i am in you that they may be one they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me remember how we had the the fear of the lord then we had unity and then we had revival this again is honoring god it it is It is valuing, esteeming God, prioritizing God above all, and uniting with our brothers and sisters so that the world will believe you sent me. The world is not going to know, no matter what we do, if we aren't united because we're fearing God, we can use all sorts of different tactics and different things to try and draw people to God. But what will truly draw them and keep them to God is when we are are fearing God and esteeming God and loving God and loving each other and united with each other, they're going to want to get in on it. Everyone wants to get in. Then verse 23 said, I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world, again, the world would know that you set me. And not just that, that you Love them as much as you love me. Our our unity is going to help people who think God's out there to get them. They've been taught all sorts of stuff that's not right. 
Our unity is going to cause the world to know that God the Father sent Jesus the Son and that God loves them. We know God loves us, but God loves them as much as he loved his son. One last question. When you know somebody really, 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 really loves you and would do anything they could in their power to make your life the best it could be, what is your reaction to that? Do you want to move away or do you want to move towards them? And that's exactly what happens. It moves people towards God. That's why unity is so important. And it's not just our unity with God, it's our unity with each other. And right now, I will tell you and what I've seen in my life, what I've seen that God's revealing to me daily, we have a lot of change that needs to happen to unite. And we will, we will see next week why. Why we can recognize what God's done and doing and why we need to be in line because it's a life changer. It's a game changer. It's an eternity changer. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, we can't unite with what isn't the same. We're different. We were created to be different. But there is a place of unity that is in God that enables us to connect in a way that we couldn't connect any other way and then keep us connected, that nothing could, could divide us. It's like a family. And God wants everyone to be a part of the family. If you're here today and you are continuing to try and run your own life and do your own thing, then God will let you do whatever you want to do. He's not going to override your choices, your freedom of choice. But God has been waiting and God has loved every one of us with an everlasting love. And he's drawn us with loving kindness. And it's time, it's time, it's time. Whether you're here with us in person or you're online, if you have never trusted in Christ, if you have never confessed that, as we all have, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need cleansing and restoration from our sin that comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we proclaim with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Messiah and he was raised from the dead, then we become alive to God. We're joined immediately in the body of Christ. And if you've never done that, then I want to pray with you today. And if that's you, here in the sanctuary, I, I, I want to know who I'm praying with. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your hand right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, and just say, that's, that's me. I, I, want, I want a brand new start. You know, all of us, at times need a brand new start. It's just time to start over. Or maybe maybe you're here and, and you've given your life to the Lord. But you, you've taken over again. You've taken charge and you've gone your own way. And you know, man, I, I got to get back. I got to turn back and I got to trust in God. If that's you. Just want you to acknowledge that today and say, God, that's me. Just lift your hand. You may say, Why do I have to lift my hand? Thank you. Thank you. See those hands? Go ahead and put them down. Let's, let's pray this prayer together, all of us together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of your Son who came into this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sin but was raised glorious and victorious and seated at the right hand of the Father now. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I come to you freely and fully to give you my life. Come into my life. 
be Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me. But thank you more for living for me today and giving me that eternal life. Father, from this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed today here, let somebody know. I'll, I'll be around for a while. Let me know so that I can be praying for you. We can be praying for you. If you prayed online, let us know. Go to the website, reslifeny.org. Scroll down to where the prayer requests are. Uh, let us know that you prayed. If you want us to be able to pray for you by name, give us your name. And if you want us to contact you, please give us your contact information. Now, I'm going to pray.